Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in, what is this, Studio B? We are in Studio B. We are in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. It's good to be here. It is good to be here. Praise God. I'll tell you what, you know, those of you that are on the Hebrew calendar, you're already aware that we are in the three weeks of affliction. Yes. Right? And the three weeks of affliction is not something to be scared of. It is a time on the Jewish calendar right. uh, where they commemorate the time between uh, the sin of the golden calf and the destruction of both temples. So Tammuz 17 is the sin of the golden calf and right. also the sin of the spies, right? And then yeah. we, we fast forward three weeks, and you get to the ninth of Av, right? And the ninth of Av is the day that both temples in Jerusalem were destroyed. So it's a, uh, a time of caution. It's a time of uh, vigilance and soberness. Uh, if you, I wouldn't say that you need to be, like, afraid or anything like that, but I would say that you may want to be cautious and alert. <laughs> Praise yes. God. Reflective. Reflective. That's right. Reflective. So, uh, so those of you that are here for the first time, welcome on that happy note. <laughs> uh, this is Christians with Torah. We are Christians, which means we believe in the basic Christian doctrines. And with Torah, right, meaning that we believe that the whole Bible, from Genesis to Maps, is relevant for believers today. And we put an emphasis on Torah, the teachings and instructions of God, because other people aren't, right? And you know, there's so many principles and so many things that we can pull out of the Torah, out of the law, uh, to apply to our lives today because God gave it to us as a gift. It is the gift of grace, right? People put law and grace at odds with each other. We say that's not good theology. It's not a positive way to look at the Word of God that He gives to us as a gift, but that we should be looking at this to receive from it. Amen? Amen. So, uh, for four seasons, we did the Torah portions which is cutting up the first five books of the Bible into little pieces according to the, the uh, rabbinical like portions that they've created and just studying it for what it is. Then uh, last year we did the Gospel of Matthew. This season we are in the book of Acts. And today we are studying the first half of chapter 4. We're going to do verses 1 through 22. And who's going to read? Are you going to read? Am I going to read? I'm going to read. You're going to read. All right. The title is... Peter and John are brought before the Jewish leaders. Just to remind all of you that we are in the summer months. So Amen. it's going to get hotter. Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold, until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, 
and the number of the men was about 5,000. All right, so we're introducing some players here, getting the lay of the land. Uh, these priests uh, had special influence and were often close relatives of the high priest. And so uh, it mentions here the captain of the temple. He would be the captain of the temple guard in this case. And he was the leader of the guards who were stationed around the temple to ensure order, right? Temple security. Uh, the Sadducees, they were sad, you see, <laughs> were, right. were, members, uh, were members of a small but powerful Jewish religious sect that did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. Hence, they were sad, you see. Mm-hmm. Now, they were the religious leaders who stood to gain financially by cooperating with the Romans. And most of those who had planned and carried out Jesus' arrest and crucifixion were from these three groups, right? So the Temple Guard, the Sadducees, right? And we, did we mention the Pharisees in this section? It's the, it's the, it's the priests, okay. then the captain of the temple. Okay, priests, And then the, the Sadducees. And so the, yeah. the, the priests... Three groups. Right, uh, the ones that ran the temple were the Sadducees, I believe, right? Yeah, the priests would be like the relatives of the high priest. They were kind of referencing that. Right. The priest could have the relatives of the high priest. Then you got the captain of the temple, yep. which was security or whatever. Right, should have been still Levites. And then the Sadducees, yeah. Gotcha. From All, right. Yeah. All right. Those so, are the three groups. So, uh, you know, evening is coming, and they have heard, right? They're, they're grieved, and they've heard the word um, and belief. So, so the number that was added was 5,000, right? So I was wondering, in the way this is written... If it's now we've created a total number of 5,000 or we've added 5,000 more. So we'll get into that here in a second. So Peter and John spoke to the people during the afternoon prayer time. So there's a good amount of people there. Hence the reason that 5,000 is... Everybody's hanging out counting the Omer. Right? Uh, Yeah, right. The Sadducees... Uh, Sadducees moved in quickly to investigate what was going on. Now, because they did not believe in the resurrection of the dead, they were understandably disturbed by what the apostles were saying, right? So if we we go back and we look at what Peter had been saying previous to this, the man was healed, right, that had been sitting at the the temple gate, and the beautiful gate, right? Right. And a big crowd has now circled around him because he's dancing and praising God. So somebody that wasn't able to walk is now jumping and praising. He was over 40. And uh, and all the people that were there pretty much knew who this guy was because they had previously seen him as a lame uh, man, right? With a man who wasn't able to walk. Oh yeah. This crowd gathering together clearly um, alerts <laughs> the naysayers, the folks that were not very uh, appreciative of it. So. So Luke continues his catalog of Christian growth. Um, so we have 120 in Acts 1, verse 15, that are in the upper room. Then when they come down and the Spirit falls and Peter preaches at the temple, uh, 3,000 are added to their number that day in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. And now the men was about 5,000, suggesting that the total number of Christians would have been well in excess of 10,000 at this point in Acts 4.4. Oh, yeah. Now, again... I don't know if this 5,000 number was the total number being, like, accumulated and, like, registered at that point, or if this is in addition to. Probably in addition to. I'm thinking in addition to as well. Because word gets out, boom, 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 this guy was paralyzed, and and all of a sudden, you know. Right. And, you know, one could say maybe this is just a flash in the pan and just a fad that's going to go away, but here we are 2,000 years later. I know. Sitting here talking about it. There goes that idea. So, 
Uh, I'm going to read verses 5 through 7 uh, about the confrontation with religious leaders. It says here, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Wow. You know, uh, the Jewish high court Sanhedrin consisted of 71 members, uh, 70 elders according to the pattern of Numbers 1116, plus the high priest as presiding officer. You want to go to Numbers I will, yeah. 1116, let's see what this is. It was dominated by the priestly Sadducees with a Pharisaic minority, represented mainly by the scribes or the lawyers of the court. Very interesting. The Pharisees, the scribes. All right, so Numbers 11. 16. 16 says, So the Lord said to Moses, Gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, whom you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them. Bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand before, or they may stand with, they are with you. And there's um, also 70 represents the nations. Mm -hmm. I think uh, in tabernacles, if you said, I think Solomon had 70 bulls offered up for the nations so there was a, a, an offering for nations so 70 is very interesting right so that's kind of interesting because I guess at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre there's like four different groups that yeah. are trying to run that place and there's some division there yeah there's been like uh, fist fights in the past over like yeah. who gets to do a procession when and all that it's um, pretty it's serious kinda, about it. It's, it's sad. Uh, now, this is an interesting uh, point here. Annas is designated as high priest. Hmm. thought it was Caiaphas. Much like U.S. presidents, high priests seem to have retained their title for life. Yeah. Like the Pope. Right. He had served in that role earlier in 86 through 15 and was the controlling figure in the high priestly circle, which may also explain why he is given the title here. His son-in-law, Caiaphas, was the official high priest at this time, serving uh, A.D. 18 to 36. And Anna's son, John, would serve in the role later, 36 and 37. Very interesting. Uh, so you've got some uh, family uh, rivalry going on here, some different things. Um, that is kind of interesting because Caiaphas was the son-in-law that makes Annas the the father in law the father in law yeah so basically this guy Caiaphas married his daughter yeah well and, and at the time out. everybody knew i guess Caiaphas was the high priest right very interesting so it's like annas you know I, I, this the is the first time i saw this oh yeah yeah i didn't realize that they were calling him the high priest or, or referencing him you know you know th th that reminds me of biden he's not my president <laughs> you know what people say <laughs> he's not my president <laughs> well he is your yeah. president. Yeah, if yeah, you're yeah, in a republic, yeah. I mean, for the people, by the people, right? Right, right. I don't know. But yeah, so so it's interesting. Well, he's not my president. You know. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, now, the council asked Peter and John by what power they had healed the man. This is in chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. And by what authority they preached. <laughs> Acts 3, verses 12 through 26. They're going after him. Wait, what power and authority do you have to do this? 
The actions and words of Peter and John threatened these religious leaders who for the most part were more interested in their reputations and positions than in God. Acts 4-7. You know, and I'm not going to try to be mean here or anything, but I want to prove a point. It's interesting that if you look up like, you know, Judaism and all of that, and if you look up Messianic or Messianic Jews, you know, you had the, the Messianic movement, and we can talk about we're in the Messianic times. The Jews want the Messiah. We want the Messiah in the Messianic times. But it's interesting how when you get into the Hebrew roots of the Christian faith, the Messianic Jews want to put us down as Gentiles or the nations because we believe we're grafted in and we're a Ephraim. And so it's interesting how that plays out, but they want to, like, gaslight us, turn the tables, whatever, and say, you know, you guys are, you say you're replacing the Jews, you know. You're you're replacing the Jews. That's what you're doing. Mm. Not really, no, not at all. That's a false accusation. Right. So they would kind of come after us a little bit and say, anybody that goes to a two-house church or, or whatever, you know, we're going to blacklist you, you know, we're going to kick you out of the organization, we're going to call you out, you know. One of my favorite things is, yeah. is the, you know, British Israelism, which is a controversial topic, to yeah. say the least, and not something that we necessarily subscribe to. No, no, we're not going to get into that. Um, but it's funny because people call it anti-Semitic, and I always find it funny because I'm like, so the people that are claiming to be <laughs> Semitic are anti-Semitic? I'm just trying to put the math together, you know, I mean, where I live, two plus two still equals four, you know. So yeah, I would be like, I would love to be put on trial and just have my Bible, yeah, and be with the judge and the jury and have an audience and let them come after me and then I just go over the scriptures and I start tying it all together, yeah, and say as long as the innocent, ultimate authority in their mind dismissed, is also the Bible, case dismissed. Like if we can agree on that part, yeah. of the, I would be happy to. That's to, why we can't punish people for what they don't know. That's right, and we always listen. We always criticize what we don't understand. That's right. You know, if you're going to criticize any religion or anything, make sure you have your information. Oh, yeah. So this is very interesting how this is actually playing. You know, we're so blessed to not have the Pope coming after us or really. Who, there's nobody really stopping us in a, in a religious institution that's really going after me personally. None like, that have power. Uh, right. So just, there may be those that criticize. That's why, maybe that's why the church is so weak. That's why the lawless one can come up. Maybe. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, I mean, it's just interesting how when I really think about it, I don't really have any any real enemies at this time trying to shut me down or stop me or stop me at the door or, or whatever, or call me out on no, social you don't. media. I've been blessed Amen. to keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I just keep doing it. So, you know, and they challenged Yeshua, too, the last week of Yeshua. By what authority do you do this? You know, they came yeah, after him. That's right. You know, what gives you the right to do that? I'm like, listen, you're not going to do it. Let me do it. Just back yeah, yeah. off. Just go home. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do this. You're not even doing it. What are you worried about what I'm doing? You know, the, you know, there's not one commandment that hurts us if you do it. Oh, I did this one commandment. It hurts so bad. <laughs> I, I, I was in pain for a week. No commandment's going to hurt you. It's true. So, so here we are. We get this opportunity to be obedient, to hear and obey. And I'll tell you, I, I have no excuses. And I'm, I'm totally grateful. I have nothing to complain about, nothing to murmur about. You know, you look at what Paul's went through, all his suffering beaten with rods, you know, beaten with whips, 39 lashes, save one, shipwrecked in perils, all this stuff. And there's his column, the Apostle Paul's journey. And there is his suffering. There's what he endured. Stoned, left for dead. Can you imagine? 
pummeled with rocks and you'd walk and you'd walk away from it. I mean, he was hurting. Yeah. But he didn't die. Right. And then I'm going to put myself, Pastor Nick Plummer, over here in this column, and I'm going to tell you what's happened to me all these years. Some people didn't like me, Ryan. Yeah. Some people didn't like me. That was that's hard. It is hard. I want everyone to like me. Yeah. Somebody didn't like me. Somebody resented me. And I and and, I, and I'm putting myself up next to Paul now, okay? Cuz yeah. that's that's it's something. Sure. It's tough. Yeah. I'm embarrassed. That's an embarrassment. Think about it. I was just thinking about that the other day. He did all of that to reach us. Yeah, yeah. Boy, we're going to have to give him a thank you. You know what else is interesting is like in in the science of building a following, being polarizing is one of the number one characteristics of building a following. You have to have uh, enemies for people. Like there has to be a common enemy built, right, that you can throw proverbial stones at in order for people to want to like get on board. Yeah. And it's just human nature, but it's it's it is a piece of the puzzle. So, yeah. in an, in a sense, if you don't have the opposition, then you're really not doing anything of consequence. All right, let's move on. All right, is it my turn to read? You're going to read. All right, I'm going to read Acts chapter four, verses eight through ten. Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, "You rulers of the people and elders of Israel." If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Wow. So one of the cool things about this is that it, we know now that what Peter's about to say are not his own words, right? Uh, Peter is a man. Peter has shown himself to be fallible, right? But in the example of Peter, all of us, when filled with the Holy Spirit, can can face opposition right. in a godly manner and will be given the words that God wants spoken at that time, if we will yield to the Holy Spirit. So that's that's lesson number one, which I thought that was pretty cool. But what he's doing is he's calling these people out because they need to know that what they've done is wrong right? and that they need to repent, meaning change their yeah, thinking. Yeah, he was an innocent man. They were thinking one way, and now they need to think and believe another way. So, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. So he's calling out these people, right? The Sadducees, the priests, and the captain of the temple, right? And I think we get some Pharisees in here somewhere. Uh, and then he says, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means is he made whole? So now he's like, okay, well, let's just examine what's happened here. Let's just take a look. Let's stop. You know? By what means he is made whole? Right. How this happened? Because that's what they're asking. Because he couldn't walk. In what name and have you done this? now he's walking. So how this happened? Right, right, right. Let's examine it. What are the means? What do you guys think hmm. it happened? Right? Was it a doctor? So here's what he says. Was it rehab? No, it wasn't any of those things. <laughs> So he says, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth, right? Uh, Jesus Christ, the uh, Messiah of Nazareth, not just any Jesus of Nazareth, right? But Jesus the Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified. Yeah, you remember that guy you killed? Yeah, yeah, we did it in his power. Uh, whom God raised from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Wow. So he says, by the power 
of Jesus, this man stands before you whole. And it's good because they have the object lesson right there with them, right? He's right there next to them. Yeah. That they could point and see. Remember this guy? Yeah. He would sit out there, you know, for probably the last 20 years. Right? He's 40, four, over 40 years He's old. over 40 years old, yeah. Right? So the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was not merely a theory or a doctrine or a theological argument in the early church. The name was a power, a person, risen and ascended and glorified, living in the power of an endless life to stand behind and back up the use of that name. So, so like, the proof is in the pudding, and they're like, yeah. well, here's a big old bowl of pudding, you know? Right. See this man? Yeah. Here's your pudding. You know, I, want, I, want, I just want to make one point here. Yeah. Saying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is really effective. Uh, this better identifies with the Son of God. So Pastor Henry Wright with Being Health was saying that in all of their studies and, and experiences that when they say in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, their their prayers are much more effective. Right. Because there's a lot of Jesuses, a lot of gods. But there's something about in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth or the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth, you know, come out or be healed. So you're really identifying with the Son of God because Nazareth is where he was raised. Right, aligning yeah. with the specific person. Right. right. And if you see it here and you do it, you're just imitating Peter and the apostles. and You can't go wrong. So yeah. throw Nazareth in there, you know what I'm saying? Throw Nazareth Not in Not Miami there. or Vegas, but <laughs> Nazareth. <laughs> Interesting. Jesus Christ of heaven, you know? Yeah. Whatever, right? It's Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the example given. And that, this is one of those things where, like, I don't think— the name of Jesus is like an occultic. No, um, we're not going to get into that. Uh, like thing where you would just say the name and like ooh wiggly wiggly wiggly, you know, abracadabra, you know, or whatever it is. That the words themselves is what works, right? It's when you're doing it, you're aligning yourself with the person, and then God, because you're aligning yourself with the person, will act on your behalf. Yeah. So saying the name but not being in alignment is not going to provide like the seven sons of any benefits. Correct. Right. Their father was into Jewish mysticism, and they picked up on this, I guess, and I don't think they used the name or something. They did something, though. They said, Paul we know, and Jesus we know, but who are you? And yeah, so yeah, yeah, the yeah. one guy took on seven sons of Sceva and made them naked and running. Yep. So... All right, so I'm going to read. Got to discuss? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Discuss how you have used the name of the Son of God and witnessed his power. You know, we had Eliezer Braun here one Sunday for that afternoon. We're going to have a little dinner with him and everything. But uh, I woke up and I had vertigo, and I've never had vertigo. The room was spinning. It was bad. Mm -hmm. And I just prayed, you know, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, man, in the name of Yeshua, I'm, I'm healed. I, I cancel you, vertigo, you... You spinning the room, the spirit of, I, I, and you know what? It went away. And I was able to attend the event. Yeah. So it, there is, you know, and sometimes you got to press in, you know. But, yeah, I got it one other time, and I prayed, and it, it was trying to hit me hard. But uh, there's, it's it's equilibrium thing, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just weird, you know, the room spinning. Yeah. And when I got up, I had already gone to the bathroom in the middle of the night, but then that morning I got up and I put my feet on the ground, the room was spinning, and I staggered and hit a little fan. I caught myself, but I didn't get hurt, thank God. And I finally got back in the bed, but it's like, you know, I just prayed again, you know. I'm not going to, I'm not receiving this. Yeah. I'm not going to receive it. So those are my two little bouts. The Spirit of Fermi trying to, trying to get on me, but the, the name of Yeshua is powerful. By his stripes, we're healed, I'm healed. I so. use the name of Jesus every day. 
So like, I, I mean, I have a countless... Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. ...number of instances. I mean, I have prayed and laid hands on people in Jesus' name and seen them healed. I have... Uh, I mean, I, I just can't even tell you the number of times I've used the name of Yeshua because that is who I follow. He's my rabbi, right? That's... that's He's the good shepherd. That's yeah. where... Like, I don't have any power, right? Jesus has the power, and I'm, I'm calling and petitioning the throne of God in the name of the Son of God, and that's where the power comes from. It comes right. from the throne. I mean, it comes from the God himself, the it's Holy powerful. Spirit. Um, it's powerful. Yeah. All right, so... The head of the corner. All right, I'm going to read verses 11 through 13. I'm going to do it in the New King James here. And it says, This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Or in the King James, it says, the head of the corner. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So powerful. Um, The head of the corner. The cornerstone unites the two walls at the corner of the building, holding them together and helps to stabilize the building's foundation. Peter was saying that the Jews had rejected Jesus, but now Jesus had become the cornerstone of the church. That's right. You want to do Psalm 118.22? Because you'll have the word cornerstone in yours. So that's what it says in the King James, is head of the corner. You said well, New King James has cornerstone. Well, it says, it says head of the corner because that's what it says in Hebrew uh, right. in, in Psalm 118. So what it says is it says Rosh Pina, which is head, Rosh, like um, like Rosh Hashanah, head right. of the year. Um, so it's saying Rosh Pina, and let's find, one, you said 118? 22. 22. 119 is so long, you got to turn like three pages to find 118. There you right? go. All right, 22. So uh, it says, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Wow. So it's the same. It's the same quote. So he's quoting Psalm 118 here, right? And what about what about Isaiah 28:16? Well, I like to hear New King James. Isaiah 28:16. Ah. We'll do the other two New Testament verses too, because this is very important. So 28:16 it says, "Therefore, thus says the Lord God: Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation." Whoever believes will not act hastily. Wow, Mark twelve ten. Doing my sword drills today. Yeah. Mark. 12, Mark twelve ten. All right. Mark twelve ten. It says, "Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone." Wow. First Peter two seven. The last one. This is good. First Peter. Uh, two seven. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Wow. So the cornerstone unites the two walls at the corner of the building, holding them together and helps to stabilize the building's foundation. Peter was saying that the Jews had rejected Jesus, but now Jesus had become the cornerstone of the church. Wow. Right. So so imagine with me for a second that you have... uh, builders because because like a cornerstone in construction is the first stone that's laid 
and it's the longest. So from there. It, right. So yeah. it's, it takes the longest to lay a cornerstone because everything else is based off of it. So like if you're off by a little bit, you know, you turn that angle now, you know, that that goes out the whole uh, length of the wall. Wow. And now the wall will be, you know, out of whack. So is Yeshua the cornerstone? Absolutely. However, when we talk about the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected, it's interesting because once you've built a wall or you built a building, you don't go back and then replace the cornerstone. It's in place. Yeah. And there's a whole wall built on top of it. That's true. In this case, it's the head of the corner. So think of like in construction, they're building like an archway or they're building like this beautiful building. And they had found this stone while they're building and they throw it to the side. They're like, this stone's junk. They reject the stone. But later on, they've built this whole thing and they're like, wow, there's only one stone here that's actually going to fit to be the crown jewel of this construction project. And it's the stone that they had rejected. Right. Right. So now you, 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 you didn't build something good. Right. To continue to reject this stone would be to shoot themselves in the foot. Right. And right. the whole thing would just kind of fall apart. And so at this yeah. point, they can't deny. Right. They can't deny what's before their faces. They have to 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 accept. So he's going to build on evidence. the chief cornerstone by saying the next phrase. Right. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Many people react negatively uh, to the fact that there is no other name than that of Jesus to call on for salvation. Yet this is not something the church decided. It is the specific teaching of Jesus himself. <laughs> Read John 14, 6. Let's see what it says in the King right, James. John 14, 6. So it is the specific teaching of Jesus himself. John 14, 6. All right, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's pretty wow. clear. Pretty clear. <laughs> yep. yep. If God designated Jesus to be the Savior of the world, no one else can be his equal. Christians are to be open-minded on many issues, but not on how people are saved from sin. No other religious teacher is God's only son who came to earth. No other religious teacher has risen from the dead. Our focus should be on Jesus, the one whom God provided as the way to have an eternal relationship with himself. There is no other name or way. Can you imagine the name of Zeus? You know. <laughs> and the name of Hades. I just laugh. <laughs> In the name of Hercules. I'm going to pump you up. <laughs> da. All uh, right, here we go. Let's look at this verse 13. Oh, my gosh, look at this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Boldness in the Greek is paresia, is an important word in Acts which depicts spirit-inspired courage and confidence to speak in spite of any danger or threat. It also occurs in Acts 229, Acts 429, and then verse 31, and then of course in Acts 28:31, we have this boldness being portrayed here, which is very interesting. Uh, now, unlearned and ignorant or non-professional men like Peter and John were not expected to speak so confidently before the Supreme Court of the land. The two words do not mean that they were illiterate or unintelligent, but rather that they had not gone through the advanced training of the rabbinic schools, they had been with Jesus. Wow. 
So which would you prefer? To be to go through advanced rabbinic training or to be with Jesus? You know, I think the biggest mistake people make in the Hebrews of the Christian faith movement, the biggest mistake they make is not finding the Torah in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because he interprets it. Amen. So now you're like, okay, I got a situation and I have Torah. Now how do I do this? You know, and so with without the gospel, you know, matter of fact, Jesus doesn't say, oh, the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the first five books of the Bible. No, he says the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance all of my words. So if we don't study the gospel, we don't interpret the Torah. And that's where we mess up in this movement. That's where the problem lies. And so that's why it's it's important that we and that's why I I shared that verse um, that's that's in John. I love it. You also have that age-old question, you know. I love this. You know, I know right where the verse was. It was in the top left-hand corner. There you go. See, because I, I had my Bible. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wish I had my other Bible because it's over here. Absolutely. I That's know. why I carry this one. I know. I, I know where everything is. So, so listen to this. In John 16, 13, as we talk about the cornerstone and his name, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Amen. And that's the verse for the month of July. It is. So he's going to show you things to come. Oh, my gosh. How awesome is that? We need to jump on that. I'm married. I got kids. I got this church. I need him to show me things to come. And that's what he's been showing me. So the exciting thing is he says, you know, the Jews are coming. The Jews are coming. Judah's coming. Judah, he says, this is what was to come, Right. Now he's kind of sharing with me, the pastors are coming, the church is coming, get ready, they're coming. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want, that's what I kind of wanted, but he's saying to me, it's time. That's going to be awesome. Praise it's gonna, God. It's going to be a good ride. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be the kingdom. Oh, and the devil doesn't like that when you're united in the kingdom. No, he does not. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's all I have. That's pretty cool, man. I mean, that's really, that's really good. Yeah, I like the fact that they were called, you know, it's always better to be underestimated than overestimated (laughs) right if you're underestimated and then you impress it's easier to impress right but if you're you know hyped up or you have all these credentials then it's easier to disappoint because they'll be like you know well why didn't you provide you know whatever but let me ask you this though now this i'm not trying to be mean or anything but i just want to prove a point to say okay let's think about this for those of us that want to practice our faith via the hebrew roots movement the church will persecute us. They'll come after us. They're going to say things. They're going to do things. For sure. So that's even like the Pharisees or the Sadducees of long ago are alive today. Oh, for sure. And to go after us personally or whatever it is. But if we practice our faith and we're doing it and we're doing it in love and we're not criticizing or whatever, but it's making our life better and we have fruit, then how can you say that we're wrong? Right. But then again, I think it, it can, it can, it's kind of playing out. If you, if you look... I don't think Hebrew roots is very well accepted. It might be in media and the culture, but I don't think it's very well accepted. There's also a lot of knuckleheads in the Hebrew roots movement, which doesn't, there is too. doesn't help the, no, <laughs> the no. process. And some of them are no longer If you're with a us. knucklehead, stop. <laughs> you're making me look stop bad. It. Stop, stop it. Stop it right yeah. now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> stop stop being a knucklehead. Stop it. <laughs> but yeah, what a, what a blessing we have um, to be able to do all of this, you know. And it's simple. Hebrew roots 101, man. It's just simple stuff. It is. It's not. It's not rabbinic Judaism. It's biblical Judaism. Sure. So wait, it, did if, Jesus do practice Judaism? I know he did. What? Yes, he did. He wasn't a Christian. You know, if you really go back and look at the Gospels, I never found one time where he broke the Torah. 
Now he no he, for sure. He he challenged man's commandments and things and traditions, but but I mean nothing wrong with that. But I know Clearly. that I don't I don't see anything in there where he he went against Torah. Never, you know, said you know, forget you or whatever. No. Well, let's let's just imagine for a minute, right, that he did. What's cool is he didn't. No, he didn't. But let's imagine for a minute that he did. He wrote it. It's his law. Would make like, sense. He's he, the king. He can't do it though. Well, he just wouldn't because it's no, his law. It's not, his own principles. He's not going to do it right. It's like, why am I going to break my own principles? I gave the principles. Like when he says, "If you love me, keep my commandments," then we have to ask ourselves, "Well, which commandments did he give?" In the beginning was the word. All of them. And the word was God. Right. Yeah. Well, he says, "I'm the Olive Tav." Right. I'm yeah. the Alpha Omega. Bereshit bara et, right? He's the et, the olive tav, in the first verse of the Bible. So anyway, we could go on that. I mean, that's a whole bunny trail that we could go on. But the point is that he wrote the commandments. He gave the Torah to Moses. It was Yeshua, right? We believe in our faith that it's three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? This trinity or whatever you want to call it, the Godhead. Right. But the fact that we're saying, hey, he even, let's say that we don't buy into the Trinity doctrine. He still says, right, I don't do anything except my father tell me. So if he's doing it, it's because, the, you know what I'm saying? Like there's this reciprocity going on here where it's not Jesus telling God himself what to do. It's the top down. Well, that's why people are saying, well, why, if he's God, why is he praying to the father? Because, see, the thing is, they're respecting the authority of one another. And he's demonstrating. The whole point of him coming is to demonstrate. It's an example, right? <laughs> this is what you right. should do. This is an Follow example. Follow me. This do is what example, I do. Yeah. yeah, it has to be an example. <laughs> he has to be an example. I, I mean, if you stop and think about it. And then Jesus gets all mad, you know, yeah. with the, some of the Jewish leaders. Your father's Satan. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's terrible. Terrible. So, I love a high-level biblical, like, midrash, right, a debate. <laughs> I love Just it. like anybody else. Yeah. But if that's all you're doing, like, what are you doing for the Lord? How are you building the kingdom? What are you doing for the Lord? Ask right. yourself that question. Is this helping me move the I ball know. forward? Is this bringing Messiah back? This is why I want to throw the promises out to people because yeah. we, we got to grab the promises. I'll never forget that the, the Lord was really ministering to me sometime ago. The Holy Spirit was showing me that don't look at events as far as eschatology. What events are going to be fulfilled? What's the next event? What, what's going to take place? Yeah. He said, what are people doing in the last days? That's right. Those that are fearful, those that are encouraging, those that are fearful. Right. So while you're arguing and debating and full of fear, you could be further in the kingdom of God and be witnessing. That's right. Or doing all kinds of things. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Well, he's going to use you as his son and daughter. First, he wants you to minister to him first. Right. So like when we do the Shabbat and the Torah portions, we get into the word and we're understanding my daily bread. I'm, I'm ministering to the Lord. Yeah. You know, he's showing me these things and I'm ministering to him. Wow, Lord, you you don't like that. You know, don't do that. You know, oh, you want me to do this. You really like it when we do this, when we turn from our wicked ways. And, you know, and so but through that, we're ministering to the Lord. That's right. And then, of course, you know, with our obedience, you know, uh, just like a situation I had with this woman at the gas pump, you know, it's like it's like, you know, God can use us. Yes, he can use us. So I, I really enjoyed him taking me out of my comfort zone and using me in a situation that I normally don't get to do. Yeah. I'm always looking for opportunities outside the church, but they're few and far between for whatever reason. Well, especially because you looking, live like down the street and yeah. you go back and forth. And I just, you know, <laughs> I just know that, uh, you know, I'm where I'm at in my season and I really like it. I enjoy it. Praise God. But, um, yeah, that's the thing, though. You know, they identified with Yeshua. He's the chief cornerstone. Use his name, and, and it's boldness because yeah. you know the person. Yeah, 
You know, when you say, hey, you know, I, I prayed and the Lord did this for me and that for me and and, and our testimonies, because you know the person. Right. It's like, you know, the Jewish Indiana Jones, you know. <laughs> He's like, you know the guy? You know the guy? Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, AY. Katsoff. Yeah, Katsoff. Aaron, Aaron Katsoff. Yeah. Aaron Katsoff. Check yeah. him out on Facebook. Aaron Katsoff. He goes awesome by AY Jew. Katsoff, I think. Yeah, A-Y. he's like, do you know the guy? Do you know the guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not what you know, it's who you know for sure. That's an incredible testimony, though. Oh, yeah. That, what he shared. Yeah, when you're saving children something, from Something the like Sudan. that? Yeah. And that's oh, yeah. just, was it Ethiopia? Well, he, they were, yes. So, but he had to go through the Sudan, I think, somehow. So something with Sudan. All right, let's keep this thing moving. If you say so. You want to read, or is my turn to read? Ooh, uh, I read last. I think it is your turn to read. Yes. You're is, right. It is your turn to read. I'm going to read, Cannot Deny the Miracle. <laughs> Acts 4, 14 to 16. Tune in. This is good scriptures. Acts chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. (laughs) Standing, notice. He wasn't sitting. He was standing. Yeah. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying... What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. Drop the mic. This guy's standing right here, 40-something years old. I know him. I gave him alms. And look at him. He's standing now. This is a miracle. Yeah. You know, I... What do you do in a position like that? See, here's the thing. Don't be like these men, right? That's the lesson. (laughs) Don't have irrefutable, unmistakable evidence in front of you and still choose to to, to err on the side of cognitive dissonance to where, like, no amount of evidence will... will, They don't believe the way it was done. They don't like that in the name of Jesus. They don't like the, the method by which they used... Okay, See? I'm not. I'm not saying because they could have just said I get they what prayed, or or they just gave the guy a hug and he got up and. Interesting. I just thought about that because yeah, yeah, now yeah. they're like, no, this isn't the way you do church. You got to do it this way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, because because think about us, our services now. Yeah, you're in the average church and you come to our church. Whoa, this you is got, different. You get an What's eyeful, this yeah. circle for? What are people holding hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? What's the dancing? What's what's a shema? Yeah, yeah. shema. What's a shema? <laughs> Somebody blew a trumpet in the beginning. It was some kind of, <laughs> I thought Albert was there at the concert. Yeah. You know, you think about all these things like that's not church. Right. Oh, it's the early church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God's taking us back to the original church. You know, so wow. I just think that we because like, with you saying that, it makes me think, like, what if somebody is doing something in the name of Zeus and somebody gets healed? Yeah. Now, Lying signs and wonders. Oh, yeah, it can happen. It'll happen. Interesting. I mean, it's just like anything. What if a guy's up there in a camp meeting and people are getting healed in the name of Jesus and he puts the Torah down? Yeah. He criticizes the Torah. Law's been done away with. Yeah, yeah. He's false. But you can't deny those signs and wonders. Sure. See? That's why the Jews in Deuteronomy were saying that. They don't accept our Jesus in the local church, the Greek Jesus, because he would have kept the Torah. Their Messiah keeps Torah. 
He's Torah observant. No, no, no. Not their Messiah. The Messiah. The Keeps Messiah. Torah. Yeah. Period. End of yeah, story. Yeah, the Messiah. The Messiah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. If the Messiah he's comes Messiah, and turns you away Messiah. from Torah, right. it's right. not the Messiah. So that's why they're saying that's false. So that's why when we show them, well, our Jesus that we follow kept Torah. Yeah. They're like inquisitive now, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, Our Jesus kept the Torah, but he did signs and wonders, too. Yeah. See? So that really, that's a game changer now. They're like, right. well, man, they're saying Jesus is Jewish and he kept the Torah and all these, they're like perplexed because now we're showing them a Jewish Jesus. Right. Oh yeah. He kept the Torah. He kept the readings. He did everything, man. So that is what, that's why they're having a council and coming together and they're trying to figure this out. Wait, we got Jews that believe Jesus is Jewish and he kept the Torah and the feast days and he came to the temple and. So now they're like, we got to really think about this now because these are Christians that we've never heard of. You this, know, this is a new dynamic. There's a there was recently a, a modern like movement in Israel to uh, pass a law to prevent the proselytization. Yeah. In in Jerusalem or in Israel at all. Right. Now, obviously, it didn't pass. No. And it it's been proposed a hundred times if if once. Right. And it's never passed, and it's probably never going to pass. So I, I just want to put that to right. bed. But proselytizing. It's. The reason that they want that is because the Jesus that's being presented is a false Jesus. It's, it's the, the Norwegian blue-eyed, blonde-haired Fabio Malibu Jesus. Jesus. Malibu yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Malibu Jesus. Malibu-looking Jesus. I was thinking Fabio. Fabio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Malibu Jesus is, is just as good, right? Um, that's not Jesus. Not just because he looks funny, right? I mean, we're using the description of his physical appearance to give you an overall understanding right. that, that it's, he's not Roman. He's Jewish. Right. He's a rabbi. Right. He keeps Torah. He right. preaches Torah. Right? right. He wrote the Torah. He is the Torah. So, and this is Christians with Torah. So, I mean, you know, but to to deny that is to deny, it, it's to follow an antichrist. Right. Right. A lawless one, because right. it's the son of perdition, the lawless one that will come right. and deceive many. Right. Period. So That's they true. look at that because they know the prophecies, and they're associating our Jesus, who isn't that person, with the lawless one. Why? Because Christians yeah. have turned him into that somehow. That's true. And that's we have we have desecrated and defiled the name of Jesus in front of the Jewish people, and it is the reason that they don't believe today, because of of the defilement of his name. Now, clearly, there was a group that was corrupt that had Jesus right in front of them and didn't believe on him. So I'm not saying that everybody is is uh, without, you know, reproach. Right. But today, and for the last several thousand, couple thousand years, right, 1,500 years, we have missed, the, the church claiming Jesus Christ has misrepresented Jesus Christ. Right. Period. All right. You got to do the little bullet point there. Okay, sorry, sorry. So what shall we do to these men? That's the question that the religious leaders ask. And so the religious leaders didn't know what action to take since the healing of the man was well known and punishing his healers would displease the populace. Official leaders often act from fear of the people rather than from fear of God. That's right, and you got some examples there, but we, we won't go there. But you we can, won't, you, but I did you hear, can list them. I did hear a, spe- uh, uh, a, a message the other day, and just as like a sideline item, not even something that uh, he expounded on, Myron Golden was speaking the other day, and he said, people are trying to lead their leaders and they're following their followers. This is a recipe. It's not the recipe for success. No. Right? Yeah. Period. That's uh, a frame. Oh, boy, is it. <laughs> but, I mean, come on. It's, it's also the, the tendency of people in power. Because they want to stay in power, 
right? And they think that the way you stay in power is by keeping the people happy, right? Yeah. And there may be some truth to that, right? You don't want to like, right. just like just like when you have kids, right? The Bible says, don't provoke your son to anger. Right. Right? You don't want to do it on purpose. Right. But you also don't want to placate and, and, and bow the knee to things that you know are not right. So Some references here for that. Leaders fearing the people is Matthew chapter 14, verse 5, Matthew chapter 21, verse 26, and 46, uh, that verse. Uh, in Luke chapter 19, verses uh, 48, and then, of course, in Luke 22, verse 2. And um, then you're going to have, of course, Acts chapter 4, verse 21, and Acts chapter 5, verse 26. So once again, never fear the people. It's a, it's a recipe for destruction Agreed. and failure. Agreed. King Saul feared the people he ended up um you know hanging up on a wall dead yes yes he did all right so i'm going to read the final oh, verses here verses 17 through 22 good i get all the good stuff it says here but that it spread but that it spread no further among the people let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name and they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of jesus but Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Wow. Peter realized the impossibility of abiding by this prohibition, thus demonstrating that believers have the responsibility not to obey authorities when such authorities prohibit preaching the gospel or otherwise require Christians to disobey God's explicit commandments. It's like if you're working for somebody and they wanted you to do something against God. Mm, no thanks. You're probably going to lose your job. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Have like a nice if you have day. to lie or steal or cheat, yes. you know, I don't like that. That's why I like owning a small business. That's true. Um, so this is interesting. You know, the man that was healed was over 40 years old. That's interesting. So stop and look at your life and look at his life. Like, hey, I was paralyzed when we talked to him. Yeah, I couldn't walk over all those years. For 40 years. And then, you know, I started having a midlife crisis, and I got healed. Wow. I was in my 40s, and Jesus healed me. I mean, Peter and John were there. They, he grabbed my arm, and I jumped up, and, and, I, and I got healed. And, and this is to the glory of God. Amen. It's interesting to see how the response that God can get from us. Yeah. You know, I feel like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Right now I got a little download. It's kind of like what I was sharing last night. Or I shared. I don't know where I shared it, but. God knows how much we can take, but he, how badly do you want to? I was talking about that at prayer. How badly do you really want to be the bride? What are you willing to go through, like the Apostle Paul? Yeah. To lead the Gentiles, to be the, the leader of the Gentiles, to lead them. How much are we willing to go through or do to be the bride? I've had to rethink that. So, like, if you're going through something, are you, are you going to say to yourself, well, this isn't worth it? Or are you going to say, okay, I'm going through this. It's worth it. I'd do it again. To get to where I need to be and to get what I'm going to get? Yeah. Yeah, I'll take it. Why not? Why not? You yeah. Know? So so this is what's interesting, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when I talk about Ephraim and Judah, the two houses, people don't like it. Don't I don't believe in the two houses. Don't, don't say two houses. You know, 
we had a guest here that was ministering and after the fact he realized that we were two houses i guess he saw the banners or something and i came up on the stage he just had this scowl on his face you know and he said you know the the two house teaching is false it's false teaching i said that's from your understanding yeah i'm sorry you feel that way (laughs) yeah that's your that's your belief but we we believe in the two houses so anyway uh it was interesting you know yeah and i had a situation where i guess his daughter had called back and um tried to line him up here and i had you know to tell him through pastor russell that listen we believe in the two houses make sure you make that very clear if he wants to come here or whatever yeah so I guess it just didn't happen. Uh, it didn't call back, and then we got a call a little bit later. And the same thing, you know, because I guess the daughter was trying to line up some dates. Yeah. Please tell your father that uh, we believe in the two houses and that if he would like to come, we'd be more glad to have him. Yes. But we're not going to rescind that. We're not going to deny that. Yeah, yeah. Never heard back. Yeah. But you know what? I'm still hopeful in prayer. In, in, in prayer. Yeah. That it would be great, though. I would love to have him back. Yeah, yeah. In a heartbeat. Sure. Tomorrow. Yeah. Come right now. Yeah, yeah. Come this Saturday. Maybe. You know, I mean, I think. I'm just saying that. I think it's here's, okay. Here's the issue. Because what's the point, though? See, I, I, I'm not going to have a problem with you. Why are you having a problem with see, me? See, this is. I, I but will, this, this is like what I'm saying, though. Oh, you can't say two houses. Don't say two houses. Well, see, you're dividing. You're two houses. You're dividing. This is where, for me, definitions matter. And I have my issue with standing on say ceremony for the two houses is that the two houses that we believe in is not the two houses that most people are against right right most people are against the idea that these people that are waking up are somehow you know descendants of you know naphtali or zebulun or whatever right. right and that they're claiming their tribe and and that they are a member a bloodline descendant of the two houses or the northern kingdom of israel and they very well could be. That's not the point. That's beside the point. The point is that through Yeshua, right, the multitude of nations is prophesied over Ephraim in Genesis 48, right? Yeah. Is the fullness of the Gentiles, the multitude of nations. How do you explain it? Yeah. As prophesied by Paul when he says, don't that, be ignorant of this mystery. They're coming out of the nations and they're not Jewish. Right. Because through the mystery right. of the fullness of the Gentiles, the two houses coming together, Ezekiel 37, the two sticks becoming one, all Israel shall be saved. Right. Do you want all Israel to be saved or not? Yeah. Because you can stand on ceremony all you want, what's but that, until you, you understand it, the yeah. non-Jews, right? Yeah. The multitude of nations, because Ephraim was sown into the nations, right? Coming together with the Jewish people, Judah, the southern kingdom, this is, this is part of the puzzle of the last day's salvation of all Israel. And to me, nobody that is a Bible believer is against that. Nobody, because I just explained it in a manner that is very simple. Now, many people will be like, oh, well, it's all about the one new man. Yes, the one new man. Two becoming one new man, <laughs> right? And so I, I, I just, the, the debate is just, it's nonsense to me because there really is no debate. However, there is a group of people out there that use the same title two houses, to mean something different. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Let's just look at it like this, okay? In Romans eleven twenty five, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So blindness, right? It's actually hardness. 
And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So, so once again, this word fullness is, in the Greek, it's number 4138, it's pleroma, repletion or com completion. What fills, see, what is filled, a container. So if you have a container and you fill it up half full of Jews, the other half has to be non-Jews <laughs> for it to be, for it to be pleroma. Pleroma. I mean, if you think about it, right. that's the fullness you know, of the Gentiles be come in. So the Jews are already in the jar. There they are, but it's half empty. But this connotation, this meaning is that it's full. The jar is full. Right. So if we say the house of Israel is nothing but Jews, you've totally missed God's plan, and you are altering his purpose, and you're going to be in trouble like the right. ten spies. Breach of promise. So anyway, I thought that was good. It is good. It is good. So what two things did you get out of Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22? Number one, we should fear God more than the opinions of others. Uh, I will venture to say that if you truthfully look at your life and think about the things that you dream about that you would like to do, in most cases, the thing that is holding you back is that you worship at the altar of the opinions of others and not at the altar of God. So if God's called you to do it, and somebody else's opinion is keeping you from it, that's good. then you need to work on, on that idol. Uh, my second one was that there is power in the name of Jesus. God has given all power and authority to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He signs the checks. So when we pray to the Father and we petition him, if we pray in our own name, Maybe he likes you, maybe he doesn't. But if you pray in the name of his son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I would say that uh, that would, uh, you know, increase your chances. <laughs> Just say That's good. Amen. I have two. Uh, the first one is believe in miracles for yourself and for others. Believe in miracles for yourself and for others. Um, Amen. And number like two, that. believe in the power of the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth. Number two, believe in the power of the name of Yeshua HaMashiach of Nazareth, with his, which is Jesus the Messiah of Amen. Nazareth. That's I, my two. I like it. I like it. You want to pray us out? Yeah. Father, we just want to thank you for this portion of Scripture. We thank you for the boldness and the hope that we have, that Yeshua is the chief cornerstone. We are lively stones being built upon him. He's the head. We're the body. And uh, we thank you for his name is, is powerful. And right now, Father, we just pray in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. And just thank you for provision and protection. And we just bind the enemy from this house, this community. And those that are listening, Father, right now, there is power in the name. Get that monkey off your back. Amen. Just get that depression. Get that oppression out of your life. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you have the mind of Christ. And so, Father, we just thank you for this. In the name of Yeshua. Hamashiach of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. All right. Keep the conversation going in the comments. We'd love to hear from you and know what your thoughts are on Acts chapter 4, verses 1 through 22. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Uh, yeah, feedback. Feedback. Praise God. If you want to email me, uh, you can email me at ryan, R-Y-A-N, at topraise.net. Ryan at topraise.net. Bless you guys. Have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>